You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. A little tiny bit of the Queen, James Horner, from the Aliens soundtrack there. Just atmospherics to get you rippling away for Zero-G today. And g'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. Welcome back, Megan. Thank you, Rob. It's very nice to be back. I had a few weeks off due to some getting a bit bashed around health-wise, but I'm back on board. Very excited. That's trotted good. along to see some bad movies to rip into, so <laughs> we're excited, we're happy. It's good to have you back on board. Good to be back. Now, today's episode is t- entitled, and I think I've used a variation of this before, but I, I kind of <laughs> like it, uh, Robzilla versus Megan Don. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> I, think we, I think when it's that good, you're allowed to read. I think we did one for the Meg that was kind of similarly themed. Yeah. yeah. Our podcast title is Destroy All Podsters. <laughs> Now, because, yeah, we're going to try and get... There's so much. There's too much. Too there's much, a too lot much. happening right now. <laughs> so I hope that the, uh, the listeners are recovering from the Oz Comic Convention. Yes. Uh, or still enjoying the last day of the Continuum 15 Convention, both here in Melbourne, 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 Melbourne. We have so much here. We're very lucky. Uh, a very difficult, complicated, longy, really, wasn't it? Uh, now, what's up, Megan? <laughs> oh, yes. What's latest and greatest? So in my time away, I was uh, just, you know, collecting little tidbits that I wanted to shout out um, in geek news, if you could say. I was unaware of this um, was even a possibility, but Tom Holland, our favourite neighbourhood Spider-Man, is officially cast to play Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie. So are you familiar with the Uncharted series at all? No, I have not plotted that course. Um, I actually feel like you would very much enjoy a film adaptation of it. So Mm -hmm. it's a uh, video game series. It's a PlayStation uh, exclusive. And so there's four games that are out now. Um, You can collect the first three in a nice trilogy package if you haven't played them. Um, And there's a fourth one as well, um, which you can get into. And, yeah, so they've cast him in the title role um, of Nathan, not title role, but in the main role of Nathan Drake, which is... Uh, interesting, because in my mind, Nathan Drake is uh, a rugged fellow. I've got a picture here, Rob. Um, what genre are we looking at? So it's adventure. So it's sort of Tomb Raider-y kind uh, of, um, yep, yep. you know, rock climbing adventure, rock things climbing. like that. So <laughs> well, Tom <laughs> Holland adventure, if you will. That's right up Tom Holland's alleyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, a bit of mysticism in there and whatnot. So... Um, I actually think he could be a really lovely choice. I think it's very interesting. He's not what I would have pictured, but they've also set a release date for that, which is in December of 2020. What's so, his backup just in case Spider-Man doesn't work? Well, I guess he's really <laughs> carving a niche for himself as like an action hero, kind of trying to get into that. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I want to see him in a dance movie. Uh, he, he's very good at dancing, isn't he? And singing. Um Oh, I saw the bestest thing. Uh, I think he was at Euro Disney. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paris, is it? Yeah, yeah, something like yeah, that. I think so. And um, uh, they had a bunch of uh, costumed workers there, characters, you yeah. know, and Spider-Man and so on. And, um, and uh, Spider-Man's doing poses with um, the fans. Yeah. There. And then from behind come two of the actors from the new movie to photobomb it and everybody's going oh well you know and then spidey takes his hood off and it's tom holland that's great yeah so cool that's very cool (laughs) i love when celebrity i'm such a sucker for that stuff yeah um leading into i wanted to talk a little bit about something that's on netflix right now um called the chef show so it's john favreau and it's a little food show and so john favreau obviously uh directed the first iron man and he plays happy in the marvel um mcu Mm -hmm. and so obviously he's very in with all the guys and so this is a little something that he shot it's focused around food he also directed the film called chef i have seen that yes so and he starred in that as well and so it's kind of a little take on that because obviously food is another one of his loves and he has on the show so the first episode he has gwyneth paltrow come in 
I've seen that. And Comic Bill Burr. So you have seen it. I've or seen have you that seen bits segment of it? with Gwyneth. Yes, because that's sort of circulating at the moment. Yeah. But he also has another episode where he has Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland come in and they talk a little bit about the food scene in Atlanta. I actually haven't watched it yet. I only discovered this just sort of yesterday. So I'm definitely going to check it out, but I thought I'd mention it. Um, and then they also um, have – they talk a little bit, bit about some of the dishes that were in Chef – um, and sort of cover all of that. They also talk a bit about there's a famous film critic called Jonathan Gold who there was a really great documentary made about him called City of Gold. He's a famous LA food critic. Um, he has Robert Rodriguez on there, David Chang. So if you're into food and you like John Favreau and you're keen, even if you want to just watch the episodes that have those Marvel guys in there, I reckon it looks um, looks pretty cool. So I'm definitely going to check out that series. And now I want to press sandwich for lunch. <laughs> Because that was a great movie. I know. I really, really think, um, yeah, I, I didn't realise this was something that was going to get made, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, my last tidbit is something that's a little bit old, but I'm not sure if we've mentioned um, the latest Batman outing. Oh, so, with uh, Rob, Robbie Patterson. Yes. So Robert Patterson has been cast as Caped Crusader in The Batman, which mm-hmm. is going to be directed by Matt Reeves. So people are a little bit up in arms about that because... I feel erroneously they mainly think of him as um, from Twilight, Ed, for, as Edward from Twilight. But he's actually got pretty good acting chops and has acted in some very good films and done a spectacular job since then. Didn't we see him in a post-apocalyptic movie? He's been in. I think we have. I yeah, can't remember he was, what it was the name a road, of it was. an Australian one actually, a road movie. The Lost City of Z. No. He was in that. <laughs> he was in that, though. He was in um, Life. He was also in a movie called Good Time. Oh, I'm confusing with someone else. Never mind. He's in an, uh, a space movie called High Life. Um, well, that hasn't come out yet. I think it's available uh, online. Actually, it may have been. It may be available in, like, selected independent cinemas. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, done by Claire Dennis. So he's in that with Juliet Binoche. Um but, yeah, so he's actually done quite a bit since then and his selections of what he's chosen to um, be in have been quite interesting, I think. So I actually feel that it's a very good, interesting choice. So but still I'm, playing a bat. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> still playing some form of. So I'll be interested to see how that all um, sort of falls out. So that's sort of my other bit of... And we also wanted to talk a little bit about something else that's on Netflix now. Ah, Black Mirror Season 5 has dropped. Exactly. Only three episodes. Bit disappointed by that. Uh, The focus on them seems to be on... It's still that that whole um, technology thing. Of course, Mm. it's Black Mirror. And they're they're riffing off that um, the virtual reality games that they introduced earlier on. Oh, right, um, yeah. So in Season 1, I think, yeah, that started to come in. Going back to San Junipero and some of the other elements where they've had this same kind of VR technology. And a company called um, TCKR, mm. and they had that involved in some of the other ones. And, um, Play the, yeah. It was involved in Bandersnatch. Because yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, and Black Museum... Um, uh, and play tests, so all of those, play tests, that's yeah, all of those yeah. have been woven through there. They're not really hugely obvious with that connection. It's not mm. like they're doing a, a story arc necessarily, but okay. it's it's there for you to pick out. Just a little Easter egg kind of. And the focus for these three episodes, at least the first one, uh, was basically the impact of pornography in, okay. in VR, uh, and a very good story it was too. It had. Um, some some an amazingly amazingly good cast in it. Uh, Anthony Mackie, the Falcon from yes. um, the Avengers, and now the new Cap. Oh, I, well, look, I think we're did okay. I, did I almost <laughs> did I almost spoil it? Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, but he's in it, uh, and uh, I've got to get this one right. Yaya Abdul Martin the second, mm-hmm. who was Black Manta in DC's Aquaman. He's he's in it too. Uh, and speaking of um, Avengers, Pom. Clementif, who played Mantis, mm-hmm. and they're honorary, honorary Avengers now, yeah, the Guardians. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Absolutely. also um, Ludi Lin, who was uh, Captain Merc in Aquaman, and also Zack the Black Ranger from the, um, I think, the last Power Rangers movie. Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, and, and I thought it was actually quite well done. I didn't feel like they quite managed to make the landing. Mm. But okay. only by one shame. one degree, like a tiny degree. There okay. was a better way they could have done it, says he, knowing all this <laughs> sort of stuff. But, yeah, but definitely excited to see new Black Mirror. Yeah, I'm always happy to see Black Mirror. I haven't caught up with it yet, but also on the list. Hmm. Well, we had um, 
We were talking about the uh, 40th anniversary of the Alien franchise last week. And um, I'll get back to that in a second because I want to see if I can find a clip from it. Oh, nice. But um, we'll go with something else that I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, an actor by the name of Paul Darrow has passed away. He was born Paul Valentine Birkby, um, 2nd of May 1941 and died on the 3rd of June. He was an English stage, large and small screen and radio actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was um, when he was young in his RADA days, he um, had John Hurt and Ian McShane as flatmates. <laughs> so you know that sort of wow. era. For science fiction buffs who were around in the nineteen seventies, he's best known in genre circles for playing the cynical, reluctant rebel with a barbed tongue, Kerr Avon, mm. who had to throw in his lot with Rog Blake and his merry band of space revolutionaries board the Starship Liberator across, across five seasons uh, of the BBC's other big science fiction show, Blake Seven. So in later years, Paul Darrow was, um, to a potential Blake Seven revival, what Richard Hatch was to Battlestar Galactica. Only, of course, um, in Galactica's, Galactica's case, it was actually rebooted. Uh, Darrow purchased the rights to Blake Seven, and there were some audio dramas created as well as some other spin-off work, but no television or movie inc- reincarnation appeared, which is sad. But Darrow also played two characters in two Doctor Who serials, once in the John Pertwee era, Doctor Who and the Silurian story, and the second time in uh, 1985 in the Colin Baker's sixth Doctor story, Time Lash. Uh, he had other television roles, included The Saint. He was in The Saint, uh, Z, Z Cars, Drake's Venture, and Little Britain. And another major role that he played was the Sheriff of Nottingham in the BBC's 1975 miniseries, The Legend of Robin Hood, oh. which is not like the other Robin Hood BBC serials <laughs> that we know of. So it's not like Robin of Sherwood or um, the more recent one. Okay, now his hasn't got that many film credits, actually. Um, like, um, he got cut out of Die Another Day. Aww. <laughs> uh, and he did a lot of voiceovers on games, um, <laughs> including Grand Moff Tarkin in the Star Wars game and um, another one in uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, some um, PlayStation games as well, and... Um, uh, a game that was narrated by Tom Baker of ah. Doctor Who fame, where he voiced alongside um, Glynis Barber, who played a character called Sue Lin on Blake Seven. It's all connected. <laughs> he was also um, uh, a narrator of um, audio books, including a Terry Nation one, and uh, played um, Samuel Vimes in the 1998-1999 touring production of um, the adaptation of Terry Pratchett's Discworld story, Guards, Guards. Mm. So quite a bit to do with the uh, the genre. There's the old um, Paul Darrow. I did actually meet him once at a convention. Oh, cool. Very nice chap. Nobody has a bad word to say about this actor. Uh, <laughs> even in spite of the fact that um, they named an extinct crocodile from the Miocene of Australia <laughs> after him, um, Baru. I love it. Baru Darrowy, which is named after Paul Darrow. <laughs> uh, and, and, and really that makes sense for Avon, who always was a bit of a smiling crocodile in the story. He actually got all the best lines in Blake 7, really, seriously, okay. all the That's best. That's what you want. Yeah. Uh, he had been going downhill in health from about 2014 when he had an aortic aneurysm, um, so which is uh, very sad. So it put him on the uppers for the last years of his life. Died on the 3rd of June at the age of 78. Mm. Um, he was married to actress Janet Lee's Price um, for 50 years. Oh. And she passed away in 2012. So there you go, Paul Darrow. And that means a lot to us people from the 1970s science fiction community. You know, it's sort of that kind of era. So um, I think I can probably play here a track from Blake 7 if I can make this work properly um, have to excuse me I'm playing from my laptop today and people go ooh ah laptop <laughs> but but I actually hate playing from a laptop because of the touchpad and it's yeah it's there's more room for little uh, fudgy boo-boos <laughs> fudgy boo-boos <laughs> 
I've found. You know, a stray mouse, a stray mouse click. I've yeah. Whenever I play off my computer, I'm always very cautious. If if so I, I understand, if I was at home, it would be the cat that exact jumps little up. Paw. Pause, pause across a, the keyboard. Pause for effect. Hello, this is Bobcat Goldthwait, and you're listening to Three Triple R FM Melbourne. There we had our main titles from, or remember the end titles actually from um, Blake Seven with Paul Darrow as Kerr Avon. They're all passing away. Several of the uh, Blake Seven actors no longer with us now. Ah, oh, okay. Now, uh, Megan, you've, yes. you've, you've taken a hit for the team. That's I Team have, X. I have, I have. So, um, you know, in our discussions of what we trot along and see, because there's a lot coming out right now, um, a lot of the big kind of uh, action budget stuff um, is all being released around now. So I said to Rob, yes, I'll go see the latest X-Men. I've been enjoying what they've been doing. Um, yes, Dark Phoenix, count me in. I'm off. I'm off to see it. So, and I had completely forgotten until literally maybe a day or two ago that there had been a third movie in that reboot franchise that stars James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. So, we started out with X-Men First Class, which was fantastic in my opinion. So, it was a brand new fresh start. It was prequels, so we've got young versions of people that we're already familiar with, and the story was solid, action was solid. Um you know, it was a bit unpredictable. I thought it was fantastic and it was very, very, very exciting um, to think that we had a whole new slate of X-Men movies because they've typically been quite popular. So the original X-Men franchise did quite well for 20th Century Fox. Um, That's the Stuart McKellen Springer franchise. Yeah, Singer yep. ones and, and whatnot. Um, and so obviously uh, for those who don't sort of aren't across it, uh X-Men is a Marvel property. However, 20th Century Fox have owned the right to it for quite a long time, maybe 20 years or more. Um, And so they've been releasing those movies um, under their own banner, their own creative studio. They've owned that. They've done what they want with it. That's why the X-Men don't appear in any of the Marvel MCU films apart from a version of Quicksilver, which they had in Age of Ultron. So it wasn't released under a Bruce banner. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so they keep those properties very separate, similar to how Spider-Man used to have the rights um, under Sony, but now there's sort of a dual parenting agreement that's going on, which is why Spider-Man has been in the latest MCU. So that's why X-Men sits quite separate, although, yes, it is Marvel. Um, And now, technically, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the future because, of course, Disney, the big money-filled glob that is Disney, has sucked in and incorporated 20th Century Fox. So now they have X-Men technically under their creative control if they wanted it. So, yes, so we have our latest friend. So we had X-Men First Class. We're rebooting the X-Men for a new era. Then there was X-Men Days of Future Past, Mm -hmm. and that brought in, um, we've got... Patrick Stewart coming in again as Xavier. We've got Ian McKellen coming in as Magneto. And there's a lot of crossover because they're sort of linked to the earlier films. And there was time travel. They're very much the same canon. And, yes, there was excellent use of time travel. So they're all in the one universe. And, of course, these also plug into the Wolverine movies. Exactly, yes. So the Wolverine movies and Logan and all of that. So they're all linked. So even though these things have been coming out for quite a large span of years, they've all been very clear about the fact that they all take place in the same universe and largely mostly have been played by consistently um, the same characters for the older and the younger. The last one we saw was Apocalypse. Yes. So then after Days of Future Past, there was X-Men Apocalypse, which I'd blocked out because we both disliked that movie quite a bit. It was rubbish. Yeah, it was so rubbish that I very rarely forget movies in a franchise, but I had completely wiped that from my mind. So It did have some good moves with um, Nightcrawler. Yes, they introduced the young Nightcrawler who is... um, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. So that they did a really great job with him, and I think X-Men has actually used Nightcrawler to pretty nice effect, visually at least. Yeah. Um, and so they brought him in. They had a version of Angel, things like that. But it was largely, to me, a bit of a dud. Mm. And so now we have the fourth film, Dark Phoenix. Now, this is based around the very famous Jean Grey storyline of Dark Phoenix. Now, I'm not that familiar with the origin of that story. But we've already seen one 
adaptation of that in the first chunk of X-Men exactly. movies. When Famke Jansen played Jean Grey, they incorporated some Dark Phoenix stuff into their uh, X-Men. We also have some very, very creditable animation um, adaptations of that story. In fact, I actually think they did the best adaptation of that. It wouldn't surprise me because this one is not um, holding itself up as a contender for that. Who's directing it again? So for this um, outing, we're directed and written by Simon Kinberg. Um, And also we've got some other people that have worked on the story. Uh, They have story credits from the original Dark Phoenix saga, which is John Byrne, Chris Claremont um, and a couple of others and David Cockrum. Uh-huh. But this has largely been written by Simon Kinberg. So he's gone, going to write this, going to direct this, just going to do what I want. Um, now he, I'm not very familiar with him at all, to be honest, but he did direct, he did direct The Martian. No, he didn't, sorry. He was a producer on The Market Martian and he's also been a producer on some of the other X-Men films. So he worked on X-Men Apocalypse. Worked on X-Men Apocalypse. He's worked on Logan. <laughs> he's worked on... Well, he worked on Fantastic Four. Um, but he's across genre. Wait, wait. When you say Fantastic Four, do you mean... Um, yes. F- fantastic. Uh, the most recent, unfortunately. Oh, okay. The Josh Frank. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, that turd. Um... <laughs> So he hasn't really done much directing work, but he's a very um, prolific producer and he's been across a lot of these genre things. Anyway, I think it's become clear that uh, I don't think... This film wasn't good. It wasn't as bad as what I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But basically we're following Jean Grey mostly for this story. Uh They want to talk a little bit about... um, her kind of the dark phoenix and it's basically if you want to break it down into a nutshell it's gene gray goes bad and everyone has to figure out what to do about it bad willow basically but not (laughs) not even that like i think one of the main failings for me is there wasn't really a plot yeah like if i had to talk about what happened i could so do so very easily and it was it was it was just very very uh not very well thought out so we're back with our favourite X-Men. Now they go into space. Um, a lot of our favourites have reprised their roles. We've got Jennifer Lawrence again, who plays Raven slash Mystique. Um, we've also got Nicholas Holt, who plays Beast, also known as Hank. And Quicksilver returns um, in the form of Evan Peters. He's definitely my favourite. Sadly underused here. And, of course, James McAvoy returns as Xavier and Michael Fassbender returns as Magneto. Because their, their Quicksilver was actually very creditable, a really good character, Absolutely. interesting story arc, well used with the, the powers and everything. Great scene, some great scenes with him. Like they really did some cool stuff with that fast kind mm. of idea. Um, and, I think better than what they did with the fast stuff in Marvel in terms in of Avengers. like habits. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in the mm. Avengers. So anyway, our basic premise here is uh, the team goes into space Something happens up there. Jean Grey returns, not quite the same. <laughs> um, and then chaos ensues. Uh, but it's not really chaos because it's pretty boring considering it's meant to be quite action-packed. And one of my main issues is they try to add in some emotional backstory, which is very, very um, out of the box. Like this is paint by numbers in so many ways, oh. which is very sad. The character's... Possibly they thought they'd built them up enough in the previous iterations that they can just stop developing them now. I think that's a mistake. They all felt very thin. Um, There's a villain storyline which feels, I'd be generous to say it feels tacked on. It feels almost unnecessary. Um, And Jessica Chastain is also in this. And I think, I love her and I think she's a fantastic actress. I think she was, had barely anything to do here. Um, And as a result, she's wasted and... It's just very disappointing what she has to bring to the table, basically. Um, there's a few story points that happen, which I won't go into because I want to dodge around spoilers. Uh-huh. But they were very poorly executed, very strange, very ham-fisted is probably the term that I would use. Um, and I really feel like I'm, I'm not going into enough about the story but because there just really wasn't, there's just not really anything to talk about. Clearly they've got some time travel going on in this or... No? No. Oh, okay. So we just got flashbacks sort of stuff. Yes, sorry. So there's some flashbacks going into each other's minds and things like that. And 
One of my things I was thinking about later is Sophie Turner uh, plays Jean Grey, who Dark Phoenix, and she's played her um, in the previous films as well and done a nice job. And I think she is lovely as Sansa. I think she does a really good job of playing Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. But I'm not sure she has the gravitas here to hold up this film. I think she's a very um, charismatic actress. She is not a very charismatic actress in this. <laughs> and if I think about, like, Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things, you really see the difference between someone who can prop up a storyline like this effectively and when it just doesn't really quite resonate, which is this how I felt for me. Like, that feels a little harsh on Sophie. But I think some of it was I just didn't feel that engaged by that core, by her core turmoil, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, she just kept repeating the same line over and over again, which was, I don't know what's happening. There's one scene. She <laughs> says, I don't know what's happening. She's scrabbling at her clothes. Two scenes later, I don't know what's happening. She's scrabbling at her head. Like, it was very – she's not given much to work with, admittedly, but it just makes it feel even worse, um, yeah, when she's given poor dialogue and not very much to do with it. Um, no sign of um – Colossus or Negasonic Teenage Warhead? No, no. Uh, so, we've, I mean, look, there was some fun X-Men stuff where they get kitted up and all of that, but I didn't feel that same. I think what made First Class so great for me is that I really felt that camaraderie and there felt very much that ensemble feeling that Marvel does so well, whereas here it felt like a, I don't know, like a fan service thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't really know what else to say. I mean, Cyclops is the worst in everything, so he's, he's <laughs> officially crappy. Oh, poor as well. old Cy- He's the Hawkeye. I'm so dirty on him. I don't know why, but there's just something about Cyclops where I'm just like, you are a waste of space. He, he is what used to be previously known as the Hawkeye or the Aquaman. I know, and I'm terrible because I love Hawkeye. You'd think I'd be all right with Cyclops, but there's something about him. Yeah. Um, so well, it left me feeling... Uh, like I understood why it has been critically panned. Mm-hmm. I think they need to take a knee on this franchise. Take a knee. <laughs> so I think this. I think we're done here, and I suspect. <laughs> I suspect they're done here for a couple of reasons. Yeah. As well, and I also think that probably leads into maybe them thinking about what they might want to do with it next. I haven't looked into it whether what the plans are for the X Men in terms of the studio. Yeah. But I would suspect now. Uh, they, they might have ideas of, of doing something completely different with them. Um, I mean, and like I said, it is a shame. I think it started out super strong. The first two movies were fantastic. Yeah. It's, this is definitely like jumping the shark syndrome. Like, I think they need to just... This was a money bid. I thought they did that with Apocalypse, actually. Oh, no, absolutely. But it's like they just kept on trying to scrabble up that hill. And so is this the end of that? I would think so. Yeah, I, I would think so. Well, Marvel's not showing any signs of um, using the X-Men in the next phase. No. Um, because I think they're just going to let it lie fallow, basically. Well, and I think maybe they need a break. I mean, I think the X-Men are great. Like, I loved the original X-Men movies. Um, I think they're a lot of fun and you can do a lot with them. But I think maybe it was a bit of that Spider-Man syndrome that people had for a time where they just needed to take a minute and think about what they want to do. They weren't my team back in the comic book days. Um, you know, it was the Fantastic Four and the Avengers and Iron Man and so yeah. on. But the, the X-Men never really clicked with me. It's interesting, though, because X-Men are probably one of the first superhero kind of crews that went mainstream and that people yeah, were more yeah, familiar exactly. with on a mainstream level from comic books because of those films that were originally uh, directed yeah, that by was successful. Bryan Singer and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Mostly. <laughs> and I think as well because they had like great names attached like when you get Ian McKellen in there and Patrick Stewart gave it a bit of um kind yeah. of early cred so so I, in terms of a yeah no nah, maybe what do we I get? mean it's a nah for me <laughs> I, I look some of the action was cool like there was definitely a couple of cool action bits towards the end but overall I just felt so disappointed and I didn't really care that much um X-Meh yeah that's mm. probably it Mm. Even though I gave an impassioned speech about all its faults, it probably is more that it was meh rather than <laughs> explicitly offensive to my sensibilities. Oh, well, that's a shame. It is a shame. But it's it not is. a Marvel Studios one. No. <laughs> <laughs> and look, at least maybe this will, will say, okay, look, we're done now. Yeah. And that they'll go back to the drawing board and maybe come back with something cool. So, mm. yeah. 
So X-Men Dark Phoenix, see it your own, at your own risk. Um, or not. You might get something out of it. Like I said, there's some cool stuff in there. Obviously, the actors are all good. They do what they can. But... Do we ever get any riffs of music from the cartoon series? No. Uh, but they wear their yellow outfits. Oh, the spandex. So the yellow okay. hasn't really been a thing. Yeah. Uh, unless it was in Apocalypse, which I've blocked out. But, yeah, they do the full kitted up thing. So I thought that was cool. I've got this odd feeling that the way Marvel's going to go into the the X-Men eventually, like 20 years from now or something, or 10 years, five, mm. maybe five Look, years from now. could be one year, Rob. No, maybe they'll <laughs> drag them in via Deadpool. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Deadpool will be the Marvel Universe. I would, I'd be interested <laughs> to see that. Uh, well, because they could. They could easily. And since we are actually talking... Uh, since they have introduced now the concept of, oh, damn it, of parallel universes into the Marvel, yeah. in, into the MCU, um, you could just imagine that all of the other X-Men movies all take place in a parallel universe. Yeah, all absolutely. I mean, I think you have to if there's two Quicksilvers. And then, yeah, there's more that I could say, but I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who... I don't want to ruin it for anyone who is still going to go see it and yeah, sure. really invested. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll see. Death of a franchise. I know. <laughs> I'll just go watch Logan. Yeah. Well, that is a fine movie, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, there we go. So I dodged the, I dodged the bullet. You did. I, you did. I chose to go and see a movie called 2040. Now, this is what's, this is what's known as a small film. Basically, I'm very keen to hear about your thoughts. On but this. a big heart. I'm not oh. going to go into it too much, but I felt like it was a, a, a look. For as far as zero G is concerned, there is no climate change debate. Yeah, it's exactly. here. It's now. It's happening. It's trendy. It's on trend. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a climate change denier, and I'm not talking about little things you might fiddle around with on the fringe, um, you know, the, the rates and that sure. sort of stuff, because everyone has a bit of trouble with that. Mm. Um, you're probably listening to the wrong show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we can quite freely say that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so this movie, 2040, mm-hmm. um, is by uh, Damon Gamow. He's an Australian television and film actor. Um, he worked in that Sugar film. Uh, he directed that too. Uh, um, he's also appeared in the series Love My Way and a, a film called The Tracker and also a tiny little role in um, uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, <laughs> so, into it. But so anyway, he's got, he's got a daughter, a four-year-old daughter, and this movie, 2040, is basically a, a kind of a, um, a a letter to her in the future mm-hmm. of what kind of world she might be facing if, and this is the uh, the gimmick of the of the, of the piece, the, the MacGuffin, the, the premise, the procedural rules. Sure. What kind of world would his daughter face in 2040 if we adopted solutions that currently exist? Yep. To climate change and climate change effects, and but that actually and actually stuck with them. Yep. Yep. You know. Okay. Um, and so basically, what he's done is he travels around the world, ironically, as he notes on a jet airliner burning fossil fuels. Well, he calls it out. So drinking from plastic cups that will possibly end up in the ocean at some stage. Absolutely. You know, he's not. You know, we don't look. And and the thing is that the system makes it. To just, 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 just to say, oh, Al Gore's being hypocritical because he lives in this house or whatever. Mm. Yeah, right, okay, yeah, maybe. But the system actually kind of makes hypocrites of us all. Yeah, no. So we not, you know, I mean, get past that. That's like saying, um, you know, not- noticing a, a classical illusion in a story and then, and then being really thinking, oh, this story's no good because there's an illusion yeah. that I recognise. Exactly. Move on from that. I'm a big proponent for you can't do everything. So just do what you can yep. and don't, you know, yeah. So watching this movie, which I'm so glad it was way better a choice of the X-Men. <laughs> uh, yeah, you chose wisely. It was actually inspirational. Um, they went into topics uh, about regener- regenerative agriculture where they're sequestering mm-hmm. carbon in the soil at a greater rate than they can normally do. Um, and basically, just to, just to run quickly through that, it was basically you're growing multi-crops 
and then um, allowing your cows to graze on them right, and, okay. and, and regenerating the soil so nice. it's no longer um, heavily artificially fertilised and, and uh, chemicaled to, um, to that hard sort of baked soil yep. that you get when yep. it's got not a lot of actual um, vegetable matter in it. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but only because I watch this. Uh, although I've had my fair share of acquaintance with dirt in my time, <laughs> get on the end of a shovel for long enough and you really get to know the different types of soil. Uh, and also um, these more enriched soil types can hold more water mm, in them, yep. which is absolutely essential yeah. in Australia at least. Um, they also, he also talked about uh, micro solar energy grids in Bangladesh where individual houses, and they've actually got a higher take-up rate of solar than anywhere else in the world apparently uh, or reportedly yeah um even small scale solar arrays on the roofs of these houses like what one or two or a tiny little one they can um, connect them together using a, a special inverter i'm guessing uh, and it allows them to share the power in microgrids, which can then be connected to bigger grids so actually jumping over the whole traditional idea of a centralized power grid yeah right which makes a lot more sense in bangladesh where you get six natural disasters a year and yeah. it'll knock out the power lines so it was a great idea there and it also and this is something i've noticed myself recently soldering up um it makes you feel pretty good yeah it makes you feel like it gives you a positive inspiration and that's all very well but it's everything sometimes yeah and i definitely think it's you know if you're really trying to do bits and pieces what you can get that good positive feeling from it instead of being like oh i still haven't done xyz i could do more yeah. it's like celebrate stuff we can do and keep looking for opportunities to do more mm. they also had uh dashboard technology which is what I've got actually at the moment, um, a, 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 an internet application that allows me to monitor the solar okay, cool. and make energy decisions based upon yeah, um, peak times and so on, that's which very, is like yeah. s- smart meters and stuff, but yeah. it's uh, personalised. Yeah. And how that could be used to um, have cities competing, competing over their... Um, the the energy usage and stuff yeah so i thought yeah that's it that's how you make the future happen you gain competition it. yeah exactly <laughs> you gain it uh they also talked about um um marine permaculture based upon seaweed oh cool a, a particular type of um seaweed a brown seaweed which is probably not all that descriptive um can uh, sequester massive amounts it's probably not the right word but can uh, uh, can can drink up massive amounts of carbon and carbon dioxide in the oceans, mm-hmm. which can reduce um, uh, acidity and also help with the the heat transfer, which is a big problem because the oceans are, yeah. are big banks of um, of heat. Most of the the heat generated by in, in our industrial revolution has sort of gone into those oceans, yeah. uh, and it will be there. He acknowledges the, that this this problem's not going to go away yeah. no matter what we do. Yeah. You know, we're stuck with it right now and the effects are, are manifesting now. Uh, but this seaweed grows at half a metre a day and can grow up to 50 metres. You grow it on big oh, wow. artificial grids um, suspended in the water and then you can harvest it for all sorts of good stuff. You know, cool. I mean, it's full of omega-free and, and the fish come back to live amongst the seaweed. Oh, cool. and, so, yeah, a great idea. Um, there's also stuff about driverless cars, shared driverless cars. Yeah. Uh, possibly the, the, the biggest thing was um, education for women, completing women's education in countries where they don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and there is a direct link between that and um, climate change activities. They also, of course, landed pretty heavily upon oil companies and fossil fuel companies. Well... Talking about the billion dollars they spend each year upon... Uh, Climate change, activism and science mitigation. Yeah. Which is basically saying, no, 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 no. You know, let's have this think tank here and there and bots that will give you memes that talk about wacky warmers and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, It's a story about sustainable utopia. Mm -hmm. I saw several mums with their kids in the audience uh, and I thought this was... A great film to see. Yeah. You know, we see so much... Um, usually the default setting of science fiction is dystopia. Yeah. Um, I say that in terms of um, screen yes. adaptations yeah. of stuff because it just tends to play... It's what people... And it can be more interesting as well, like, in terms of yeah. what you can do with that. But what do you want to live in, a utopia or a dystopia? Well, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know. don't. But, I mean, narratively, you can definitely get creative with, yeah. with dystopia. So, 
I, I think this may actually be one of the films of the year from my point of view. That's great. It's called 2040. It's still in the cinemas um, mm. at the moment. It's sort of coming up towards what I would probably say is the end of its run. It looks to be somewhat limited, so it's largely... it's it's You're not going to find it at your, like, Hoyts or whatever. No, no, I saw it at uh, Village Multiplex um, oh, did you? in the Europa cinema. I think now it's, it's sort of... I'm looking at the times. You can see it at, like, Nova, Kino. Oh, yeah, so it's playing in Palace, Lido, Sun Theatre... It'll probably drop on, on one of the streamers, I'd say, and yeah. or, or at least... Um, uh, but I do know, it's, I think it's coming out in August on DVD as well. I'm really glad that there's a film like that that's been made. Yes, absolutely. Um. All right, now, um, I don't know if we're actually going to... Oh, we'll try it. I, I wanted to do a... Um, play a little track here from... Um, actually, I need to talk about this first. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, uh, because I, I've got to prep it for you. So I think we might actually play our our weekly. We call it the day the daily. No, not the daily. The weekly weekly, weekly Bowie. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm going to take this one off of the uh, the nineteen ninety eight soundtrack. Of um, the David, of the David Bowie movie, <laughs> of the Godzilla movie from okay. 1998, which is um, uh, the one with the the American one, <laughs> we'll call it that, with the the Godzilla that was in New York City. But Elizabeth Olsen? Um, no, no, this is way, way before that. This is. Oh yeah, they did do one with her. Yeah. Was that the first? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, anyway. we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get. To we that. may get to that today, but I thought we'd play this one today as our one. A weekly Bowie. Hi, I'm Jerry Doyle. I play security chief Michael Garibaldi on Babylon 5. Now, listening to Zero G on three triple R is number 452 on my list of all-time favorite things to do. Actually, Paul and Rob asked me to say number one, but I've got my principles. You got a problem with that? The Paula and Rob, well, I'm the Rob, and the Paula referred to there. I just realised that's kind of dated now. Paula Ruzak, who was the co-creator of Zero G back in 1994. Wow. So we've actually been reviewing all of those X-Men movies along the way. Yeah, right. And from the the start of the MCU and so on, you know. Oh, God. That was... That was The Wallflowers there with um, a cover of David Bowie's Heroes there, which was from the 1998 Godzilla album. And I can see we're actually going to run out of time to talk much about Godzilla today, especially since I wanted to revisit something we were talking about last week, which is the 40th anniversary of the Alien franchise, Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on uh, Ridley Scott's inseminoidal 1979 movie. Classic. Uh, Yes. I wanted to mention... That Audible Talking Books, and obviously I mean the online company, because yes. being Audible is kind of the point of a talking book. Well, anyway, Audible has just dropped an audio dramatisation of one of William Gibson's unfil- un- unfilmed scripts for the movie Alien 3. Really? That's Neuromancer. That's, William Gibson, yeah, yeah. Now, listeners will know that Alien Free languished in development hell before screening in 1992, eight years after Aliens, the acclaimed James Cameron sequel to Ridley's original film. Is that David Fincher? Uh, yes, you've jumped into where Sorry. I was just going. No, no, that's right. I've that's, just any time anything Fincher related, I have yes. a little buzzer that goes off in my head. It was a miserably bleak story. Yes, well. With, and that's not necessarily a problem with an Alien universe film. Yeah. But um, it was here. Uh, the Ripley didn't make it back to Earth, but instead, spoilers, <laughs> but instead was marooned on a prison colony world with a bunch of ex-convicts who mm. found religion. Mm. Um, other survivors from the second film, Hicks and Newt, were controversially killed without being woken from hypersleep, um, sort of off-screen almost. With oh. But we got the autopsy on screen. With only the android Bishop briefly reappearing alongside Signorni Weaver's doomed character. Yeah. Anyway, the producers burned through ten writers to get that far. Oh, God. So a very unsatisfying second sequel to Alien, and it shows in the Alien 3 movie, you know. It's got some moves, but not many of them. Yeah, I think it's sort of a little blip on his filmography. And I remember also calling it Alien Cubed as a joke because they're like... Oh, it yes. had the little three up top. Yes. Like it, it was just the whole thing odd. The Aliens franchise went into very interesting directions towards the end, though. 
Well, in that, I guess, the middle section, because we've got new films now. I, I don't really feel like we've had a halfway decent one since Alien 4. Yeah, I liked Alien Resurrection a lot. Because mm, Joss Whedon. It was super weird. <laughs> it's very weird. And it was directed by Jean-Pierre Junet, I think. Yeah, it had some, that's had some good moments in it. But um, a lot of body horror. I remember I studied it for a course on body horror. Yes, absolutely. Was, yeah, we love some body horror. The Gibson second draft Alien 3 script is now adapted as a fully realised audio drama for Audible, complete with music, sound effects and multiple actors, cool. including Michael Bean ah. and Lance Henriksen. Awesome. So they're doing, um, obviously, Bean is playing Bishop. <laughs> no, he's playing uh, Corporal Hicks and Henriksen is Bishop. Nice. So the play is directed by Dirk Maggs, whose name will be familiar. Uh, to audio drama fans from his work on adaptations of 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as later entries in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. Gibson's script is also being adapted as a Dark Horse comic book term. Cool. So in the case of the play, it's Ripley who's benched in this story, essentially kept in an induced coma for medical reasons, while Hicks and Newt awoken from hypersleep only to find that the Sulaco... The, um, the Colonial Marine warship they were riding back to Earth, uh, diverted to Anchor Point Space Station. And there we encounter the now very familiar alien franchise trope of company biological weapons division scientists trying to get a handle on the xenomorphs for profit. With further complications revolving around a previous boarding of the Sulaco by a team of commandos from a society of space socialists, the Union of Progressive People. So the age of the script explains the Cold War influences. Right. Um, Features of this uh, audio play, well, they've quite temporarily well fleshed out the secondary characters. Okay. Temporarily fleshed because aliens. (laughs) Flesh, even the word. Yes. It helps that they have disparate origins and distinctive accents, I guess, so that you can tell who's screaming at any one time. (laughs) Michael Bean takes... That's the best you think you've ever said. Yeah. Michael Bean takes a a bit to warm up to his old role. Presumably he's still groggy from the hypersleep. Yeah, understandable. But he eventually settles into his usual close encounters of the deadly kind laconic groove. Lance Henriksen is a, a delight as the somewhat bemused but game for a rematch bishop. Like, you know, he was torn in half in the end of the end of Aliens and here he is sort of getting around. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that Newt gets to spend some time just as a regular space kid here too. Yeah. A little bit of R&R for them. I think they actually deserved it. Um, a lot of the development in this story is of the Xenomorph's life cycle. Mm-hmm. So we find out things that we probably don't want to know about it. Yeah. But including some tropes that will be very familiar to fans of Prometheus and Covenant. Oh, yeah, of course, because they go into a little more of that because there's a whole science study yeah. storyline. I don't know if the fairly well-known Gibson script inspired those riffs or whether it's just a case of a logical parallel development, mm-hmm. um, perhaps also bouncing off the evil good work done in Alien 4 as well yeah. with the body horror stuff. Um, yeah, so I thought that was um, a pretty good little thing there to, to listen to. And I will give you a bit of a track from that. Uh, that will probably take up the last couple of minutes of today's Zero G before um, Joe Brunetic comes up with Astral Glamour. So we've got a couple of minutes here. Um, I guess we'll look at Godzilla another time. Absolutely. And I guess we'll do a little bit more of a proper review of Black Mirror once people we've have had a time few, to, yeah. to dissect mm. and uh, absorb them all yes um oh don't say absorb i've just been listening to alien and by the way this this um audible alien one um don't listen to it over headphones walking outside at night (laughs) (laughs) that's a very very specific (laughs) psa there Because I did. <laughs> Can you? So with Audible, did you just go on and purchase it as a one-off, or did you sign up? Um, this isn't an ad for Audible. I'm just curious. <laughs> because I don't have a lot of time to listen to yeah. audio dramas because um, they're quite elongated, and, mm. and I'm doing other stuff. That I'm part of the podcast generation, so I don't really quite get that, but <laughs> I understand. Sure. Yeah, it was the things you know. I'm busy doing the zero G. Yeah. Prep and stuff. But this one I, I wanted to get, give it a shot to. And you know what I did? I signed up, got the free, free book. One. And then yeah. <laughs> so you did what 99.9% of the other Audible subscribers do. So yeah. I think you're all right. Oh, that's a good question. Do you get to do it more than once? 
Uh, I would not <laughs> think so, no. Oh, well, what's the point of that? Well... <laughs> It makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Oh, their business model. But you can also, I know I've gotten audio audio books from Audible on top of Kindle purchases and stuff like that. So it's worth, if you're interested, check out and see what the best way to do it if you want to subscribe or just buy it outright. Because it sounds kin- interesting to me. Now, Kindle I do I do enjoy because, yeah. you know, I mean, I know it, it, it's hard to keep on top of buying all the books that you have to do for Zero G. Yeah. Or yeah. anything, you know, any, oh, anything. And, yeah. And, the Kindle allows you to buy them. And more importantly for me, not to add them to the library. Yeah, and it's usually quite quick and sometimes I find Kindles a bit more affordable. So Mm. this is not an ad for Amazon. No, no, but I'm just saying physically speaking, um, you don't really want to – I can't – I can no longer afford to add – Entire shelves of books to no, the library. No. I've got a massive bookshelf, and and I like a good mix of both ebooks and regular books. Mm. But you know, you got to be realistic. And sometimes. I have read some really fine books on on Kindle lately about climate change. Yeah, some really really straight on scary books too. I always do the thing though. If I like a book I've read on ebook, then I will buy a physical copy anyway. Just completely making the whole process defunct in terms of the saving space and trying to save money thing but but, but you have know. sampled it at least well, exactly well I, I know what i like yeah i'm a collector most <laughs> geeks are it's all right i've accepted it about myself now i'm going to think of you as the guy from as, i know as, me and benicio del toro yeah. very similar lots of overlap there <laughs> but you don't wear the funny funny gloves that he has no and i'm a little less wacky those w- 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 wig me out because i don't fit those gloves and it's like oh. do you think we'll ever do like a spoilery chat about avengers endgame, endgame? do you think or we we'll uh, probably need to wait a little longer if we did want to do you know i, I if we're gonna do it the, the time to do it would be when it comes out on dvd oh what do you reckon yeah i think so that'll and be we long can just enough. be clear and i think if anyone was really 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 cared they would have seen it by that time yeah I think they would have seen it by now, but well, I yeah, don't we'll entirely know for sure. They were at um, uh, two point, um, sorry, one point seven two billion dollars at the box office. Mm. Not probably not unless everybody decides to get behind it next week, next weekend, and goes off and sees it. Because if everybody saw it again, who's already seen it once, yeah. went and saw it, they'd kick over that mark easily. Interesting. But yeah. Sportsman on Zero G. I know, right? I'd love to do a, a spoilery chat about that, so maybe. Mm, okay. Um, Captain Marvel comes out, is dropping on uh, digital at the moment. Oh. Uh, and probably DVD by the end Actually, yeah. of the month sometime. I saw that on Instagram. All right, well, that's, we're just waffling on here for a moment. I know, but that's just it for a good Zero old G. Chat. And we're coming up with Joe Brunatic with Astral Glamour next. And we'll just have a little bit of um, sound from the audible Alien 3 William Gibson adaptation, if I can make it play. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.